Welcome to Connecting the Dollars, a personal finance podcast. I'm Emily Augusto, a CPA and financial advisor. And I'm Amanda Vaught, attorney and financial advisor. Both Emily and I are co-owners at Propel Financial Advisors. Propel Financial Advisors is an investment management and financial planning company. We are fee-only fiduciaries and independent registered investment advisors. I'm based in Chicago and Amanda is in New York City, but we work with clients nationwide. The purpose of our podcast is to explore personal finance topics, including budgeting, investing, behavioral finance, current events, and other helpful information. We also hope you'll get to know us along the way. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our crypto episode. We had a few technical issues with our originally recorded intro, so we're just going to jump right into the conversation. And we are, you know, we are getting questions from clients. Should we, should I buy a cryptocurrency? What is the deal with cryptocurrency? Um, those types of things. So hope we can cover a lot of that ground today. So can we start out just with maybe a general background of what is cryptocurrency? Cryptocurrency is a general term for um, different types of tokens, crypto coins like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Dogecoin. There's all different types out there. Probably Bitcoin is the most popular and I believe is the oldest. They It's a form of digital currency. I, I mean, I'm hesitant to use the word currency. I mean, mm-hmm. people call it currency, but uh, a lot of people say that it doesn't really meet the definition of a currency because a currency is supposed to be a stable form of value. And if you've seen any of the price movements in the crypto markets, you've seen that the price is not stable. It's actually quite volatile. Um, I'm hesitant to use the word currency, but it, that is sort of a common term to say cryptocurrency. Um, and then it uses what's called um, blockchain technology. And the, and the blockchain technology is a way um, to replicate sort of like a financial ledger to show ownership of the underlying token in the blockchain. Um, and so it's a way that you can do transactions, you know, person to person without a third party in there, like a bank um, being privy to your transaction. So that gives rise to the privacy that a lot of crypto people tout as a benefit of using crypto. Yeah, I was actually going to ask about that. So in the research I've done, a lot of the pro arguments for digital currency, for cryptocurrency, have been that it's so much more private and decentralized um so that's pretty much the main one the second one is that it's it can be faster than a typical transaction like sometimes you have to wait for transactions to settle through your bank in order to access your funds so there's an argument that it's a faster potentially the third one that might be the most compelling is that a lot of people are saying it's it's not something new anymore and it's been a really good performing asset class over the past few years so I can give you three arguments there, but let's start with the privacy issue. Okay. Well, yeah, I think um, for privacy, I mean, it is private, right? Nobody can see what you're doing and there's pros and cons to that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one pro argument is if you're um, a political dissident in China 
and you would like to give money to some kind of political organization that's working against the government, um, then that's a way to do that without the Chinese government knowing about it. Um, And so there are, you know, um, human rights implications there. But also, you know, crypto um, is known for um, criminal element using it and and they take advantage of the privacy on that side uh, for just like regular every people who you know aren't concerned about human rights or using crypto for criminal enterprise um the ability to skip using the bank they'll say oh that that's that's great it's decentralized i don't have to go through the bank but we also have to keep in mind you know what what is the role of the bank in our society and is you know so the downside of these private transactions is that if you are a victim of um, fraud or if someone steals your digital currency, there's no recourse. Yeah. So just, you know, an, an issue with the privacy is that, you know, it's a private transaction, but it's also could be private that you actually own this crypto. So that gets into a lot of issues like estate planning. What if you pass away abruptly and nobody knows that you own this crypto? Um, it's just gone, you know, Um, if you have it. And it also depends on, there's different ways you can store the crypto you own, like with a digital wallet, or you can just store it on like a USB thumb drive, Um, depending how you store it can affect um, if say your beneficiaries are able to access it or get it. And then it's also you know, can be stolen. So if it's on a thumb drive and somebody just comes and takes it from you, it's gone. Or if it's stolen, um, you know, if it is in a, in a digital wallet or it's in the cloud somewhere and, and somebody hacks in and takes your, your crypto, you don't have any way to prove that that was yours or to recover it because a lot of these crypto assets are not insured. There is no, that's a, a side effect of the decentralized system, right? There is no FDIC insurance, if if it's a bank and you know they have cybersecurity or they have physical security at a branch, you know, and and if somebody goes in and takes your money or steals your money, it's it's insured. You can get your money back. Right. Um, so yes. you lose a lot of that that protection that the banking system offers. Right. Yeah. So that second point then that people are saying it's faster and you don't have to wait for your funds to settle before you can access your cash. Mm-hmm. Do you think that is a pro? I mean, I think it, it just depends, right? I mean, if you, you're doing a person to person transaction. So if you're just trying to buy something at a store and you need to exchange your Bitcoin for something else, you have to wait for this mathematical puzzle process they have in place for the exchange to happen. Um, so that's not really slower. I mean, excuse me, that's not really faster than, say, swiping your credit card. But if, you know, you could say that some of the transactions at a bank are delayed, say, if you do like a wire transfer to another country, that takes time because there are banking regulations in place, like they ch- your bank has um, protections in place for terrorist money movement. Um, they have a, a know your customer laws different countries have different rules that the United States where we are doesn't have that the banks have to comply with. And all those types of banking regulations, you know, can slow down transactions from happening. But you also have to say, is that really 
a bad thing yeah or you know those regulations are there for a reason right i think the the most regulations we've seen in the last few years have all been around wires or at least like mm-hmm. third party transactions so that is a good point that yeah you might get your money a little faster but you're also missing out on some protections there and mm-hmm. also and you're not facilitating money laundering right right i mean yeah and also most people i mean, don't want to do that i don't know how many people i do business with have cryptocurrencies or digital wallets that I would be interacting with in the first place. I mean, I I do assume that is going to change in the next few years, probably a lot, but currently, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I see that as a, an argument, um, a positive argument for crypto at this moment. Yeah. I think a lot of people in, in crypto will argue that it, you know, it's going to change. It's going to come. And it, that could be true. Mm-hmm. I don't know the future. You know, Bitcoin has been around for 13 years and it has not been widely adopted as a currency. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. So that third argument I mentioned is that it's been a high performing asset class over the past few years. It's not something new um, and that we should be scared of. Yes, it's volatile. Yes, it's still considered speculative, but compared to things like what are some other asset classes that are highly speculative or have been like real estate perhaps? Yeah. I, I, I don't, um, it's hard because I don't think of, I don't think of crypto really as an asset class necessarily because it's not, there's no, how do you value it? Um, it's really hard to determine what that underlying value is. I mean, there is some value there. Um, some other person maybe has worked on this problem, but, Sure. With real estate, you can say, you know, there's value in the land, there's value in maybe there's underlying minerals in the land, maybe it's a house, a house on the land or, you know, farmland, whatever the case is with sure. the real estate. And then um, that has some kind of value that that you recognize or other people recognize. And then you could go from there. I think for for crypto, because it's so speculative, it's just it's just in a different category. Um, yeah. And it's hard to compare it to traditional investment products, either real estate, stock market, bond market, um, venture capital, even whatever the case may be. Sure. So it's almost like, should you even think about this as an investment or should we think about it more as gambling or entertainment? Yeah, well, I think it depends on the person. I tend to fall (laughs) on the side of entertainment or gambling because I don't personally believe that really in the story of crypto um, that it's going to change society for the better. I don't, you know, really buy into that. I think the underlying technology is interesting, um, but just because the technology is interesting doesn't mean that it's going to be good or, or better than what we already have. So that, that reveals my bias there, which, you know, I think is fine because so much of the information on crypto out there is from people trying to sell you crypto and they're just going to talk about how great crypto is. And so if you're listening to this, you know, hopefully you heard some of the other arguments that maybe it's not so great Um, or maybe it could be great one day. Um, Sorry to put you on the spot like that. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. But I think these are all things if you are thinking about investing in anything that 
you need to research it and and really look under the hood and and see what it is and with crypto there's so much there that requires research and learning new words like what's a gas fee you know like mm-hmm. what is that what is ethereum and why is it different than dogecoin and which i mean there's so many different things out there um to look into and figure out how do you do this is this right for me yeah. and if you're listening to the majority of the information out there is just pure advertising. It's not informational. It's just, you should use this service. You should buy this coin because that's what that person is selling. Yeah. And everything, it it seems like it's this exciting new thing. And so of course people are interested, but as Mm -hmm. Amanda said, the education is, is really important. And it's not only educating yourself, but if you have, someone you trust or a financial advisor you work with, I mean, have a conversation with them too. Um, Even though we're not necessarily recommending it right now to clients as a part of a core financial plan or portfolio, we're still educating ourselves about it. We're still keeping up on all the news around it. And um, yeah, so Mm -hmm. I think it's important, even if you don't think your financial advisor thinks it's a good idea, but you wanna learn more, Yeah. Might as well ask them. It's better they know about it. Like if you do mm -hmm. own some than than not knowing about it. Yeah. I think it's true. I mean, I don't think as a financial advisor that our role is to tell people how to spend their money. You know, our role is to advise them, you know, if you choose to spend your money this way, then, you know, that's going to cut into other things that you might want to do with your life, which is fine. And then they'll say, okay, well, I still want to do this. And that's fine. It's your money to do what you want with it. Like, exactly. I don't advise somebody to go buy a boat because <laughs> I would never want to own a boat. That doesn't mean you shouldn't buy a boat. You know what I mean? And you find it entertaining and you like it, like go, go for it. Um, but right, I would put crypto in that, in that category. Like if you're going to spend money on crypto, maybe then you can't afford a boat. Or maybe it will go up in price and you'll be able to afford five boats. What do I know? But I don't think it's, it's you know, it's not really um, an asset class that I would think of as a traditional sort of investment that we would advise on investing in. It's more speculative and it's more for fun and entertainment um, than anything else, at, at least at this point. Right. Yeah. At least that's that's kind of what we're thinking right now. Um, if your goals are to save for retirement, we wouldn't necessarily recommend something so speculative, even if you did think of it as an investment. So it's really just kind of taking a step back, looking at the big picture um, yeah, and not just falling is... into the trap of this new exciting thing that's out there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So after you do a lot of research into the crypto area and decide that you do want to go forward with uh, buying some crypto assets, there's a couple of things we want you to look out for. One of them is scams and another one is fees. Yeah. So on the scam side of things, there's still a lot of fraudulent activity. Um, according to CNBC, over $10 billion in cryptocurrency was stolen in just 2021 alone. So that's, that's not something to ignore. No. Um, and especially people new to the, to the field don't necessarily know how to recognize these scams. So just be very, very careful with that. Yes. And then the other one is um, fees that could come with crypto transactions. Depending on the exchange you use, there's a few different choices out there. Some charge different fees 
um, some are, you know, two and a half percent per transaction, which can really add up if you're doing a lot of buying and selling in the crypto space. So please just keep keep your eye on those different fees when you're deciding which exchange to use. Yep. Good point. I think that's good. Emily, I think we covered a lot of the major points. Um, yeah. I do think, you know, even if we say we don't advise it and someone has bought it anyway, um, that's fine. We don't, we don't judge people who do that. No, um, not at all. Um, we just want you to enjoy your life and, you know, as best you can. Yeah. We want to help you reach your goals. We don't want right. to. So yes. Yes. Um, wrapping up here, Amanda has a blog post talking about some of the things we've discussed today. So we'll link that mm-hmm. in the show notes at connectingthedollars.com. The blog post gets into some of the arguments around inflation and using cryptos as a hedge and um, some of the other arguments around crypto that we didn't get into as much today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, it's, like I said, a popular topic that we're keeping our eye on. So if you have any questions you want to ask us directly, you can always email connecting the dollars at propel-fa.com. Okay, that's great, Emily. Great conversation today. Yeah, I think so. Well, Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, Happy New Year. For all links and resources mentioned today, head over to connectingthedollars.com. Thank you for listening. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This podcast does not engage in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.